Welcome to Encounter God's Truth, a weekly broadcast from Whitcomb Ministries featuring the classic Bible teaching of author and professor Dr. John Whitcomb. We are at the beginning of Volume 4 of an ongoing series called Acts, Witness of the Early Church. Dr. Whitcomb, an Old Testament professor, undertook the immense task of teaching through the Book of Acts, the New Testament's inspired history book of the early church. He did this throughout six years of speaking at the Independent Fundamental Bible Conference held at Middletown Bible Church in Middletown, Connecticut. We're nearing the halfway point of those messages, sharing material which has never before aired on the radio. We're very thankful to our friends at Middletown for, again, allowing us to multiply the effectiveness of these important presentations on the transitional book of Acts. As we open Volume 4 of this study, we turn to Acts Chapter 10, where the apostles were beginning to understand much more about the new dispensation of the church age, and Gentiles were being added to the body and bride of Christ the church and receiving the Holy Spirit. We're picking right up where we left off last year, and if you want to go back and refresh yourself from those past programs, you'll find them at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, here to guide you through this study, encouraging you to turn with us to Acts chapter 10, verse 43, as we listen together to the first part of a message called, As for Us, So for Them. Now, here's Dr. Whitcomb from the pulpit of Middletown Bible Church. Friends, I greet you once again in the name of Christ, our wonderful Lord and our Savior, and the one who is the mediator between God and man, and the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and through whom we receive ultimate light in the darkness, the deepening darkness of this world. I invite you to turn once again to the book of Acts with me as we watch step by step the gracious plan of God opening up the entire Gentile world officially to be accepted by the Holy Spirit into a personal, living, vital relationship with Christ the Savior. I would like to read to you one person's evaluation of what happened when the sheet was let down from heaven upon the Apostle Peter at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Since Peter had never eaten anything that was not kosher, he balked at such an unholy smorgasbord. His protest was understandable in the light of his upbringing. Any serious Jew would have reacted in the same way. Within the boundaries of the vision, it's doubtful that Peter understood the significance of the heavenly explanation, quote, do not call anything impure that God has made clean, end of quote. How could things that had been unclean for thousands of years suddenly become clean? It's like that. Twice more the grotesque sheet descended, compounding Peter's misery and perplexity. We've all experienced the helpless horror of a nightmare. Imagine what this bizarre scene meant to this devoted apostle. The four corners of the sheet in the vision correspond to the four points of the compass, north, south, east, and west. The sheet's contents indicate the swarming millions that populate the earth. Cornelius, all his soldiers, all his servants, all the Roman people, all the other nations on the face of the earth, all mankind were bound up together in one loathsome bundle. And Peter was standing above them, surveying them in all and spitting out revulsion and rejection. End of quote. Well, it is hard for you and me, isn't it, to understand the enormity of the shock and the transformation that took place in the mind of this great apostle 
and what that means for us today. Well, as he uh, followed these uh, three men back to the home of Cornelius, where, which I'm sure was a spacious accommodation filled with expectant people, all of them Gentiles, out of his mouth came amazing words about the Lord Jesus and his ministry. And among the most amazing things he said to them was this, that you know all this. Uh, you Romans have been here long enough to see and to hear about things that happened with Jesus of Nazareth. And... Uh, I'm filling you in with the details and how this applies to you people right here as God has now revealed it to me. Namely, verse 43, are you with me? Acts 10:43. To him, that is to Jesus, the future judge of all human beings, and thus very God of very God, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever... Watch that word. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. End of quote. End of message. Perhaps he was planning to go on and on and on, but the Holy Spirit interrupted because while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them which had heard the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And they of the circumcision which believe, that is, the six men that went with him, the six Hebrew Christian men who were to be witnesses of this colossal event, were absolutely astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, that uh, is exactly a repeat, is it not, of what we read in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost when Peter said to the thousands that were gathered there, and by the way, instead of a house full of people, he had 3,000 out of the many more thousands that were listening to him that were born again at that moment of his sermon in Acts 2. And he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath and so forth. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Poured out. How abundant. How generous our God is. Not narrow, not stingy, not in any way limited in His grace. Poured out. Now available to the entire human race in a way that had never been true before. So we read, friends, in verse 46... Another statement that takes us by surprise, perhaps. And they, that is, Peter and his Jewish witnesses, heard them, the Gentiles, speak with tongues and magnify God. Stop right there, please. We saw that phenomenon in Acts 2 with the uh, thousands that were there 
listening to the apostles and who knows who others among the 120 that came to know the Lord in a new fresh way as the bridegroom of the bride and the head of the body. Yes, they spoke in tongues. In Acts 8, when the Samaritans came to the Lord through the ministry of Philip confirmed by Peter and John, it does not say they spoke in tongues, but some have suggested they probably did because uh, that was step two, you see, in an ever-widening circle of supernatural confirmation of the comprehensiveness of the new dispensation being inaugurated, namely the church age. But here specifically it says that these Gentiles spoke in tongues. Now the last third and last time we'll see that is another group in chapter 19 that the Apostle Paul met up there in Ephesus that uh, were disciples of John the Baptist. Uh, they were born-again men, uh, just like John the Baptist was, although John the Baptist was never a member of the body and bride of Christ. He died before the church was created. And uh, his followers still around the world. I mean, even Apollos uh, had heard only, you see, too, of the preaching of uh, John the Baptist and hadn't been filled in yet until uh, Aquila and Priscilla invited him to their home for a pizza and 7-Up or something and led them more deeply into the amazing things that he had never heard yet and thus to bring him into the fullness of Christian understanding. So these people that uh, Paul met at Ephesus were disciples of John the Baptist and hadn't heard all these things that the Holy Spirit had not been given in this special way yet. And when they accepted the message, and by the way, in the book of Acts, it is unthinkable. May I add that footnote? It is unthinkable that any group of born-again people, like those in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts 19, any group of born-again people who were told new truth about Jesus would ever have rejected it. That, in my thinking, would be impossible. So it was a normal, expected thing for what to happen for these transition people in this transition period to accept the new light that came to them and to exhibit that, demonstrate their entrance into this new understanding and this new relationship with Jesus by speaking in tongues. Now, I have never heard anybody speak in tongues, and neither have you, nor has anyone in this world today, because the last time anybody spoke in tongues as the Bible describes them here in the book of Acts and in the book of Corinthians, uh, all ended in the first century. Now, that's not as easy to prove as you might think. One thing that is, is very easy to prove, of course, is that those who claim to be speaking in tongues today are not, because they're not following the biblical guidelines, are they, in how genuine supernatural tongue-speaking functioned and what its intent and purpose was and its timing. May I recommend to you uh, three documents uh, that George Zeller has prepared along this line that I think uh, you might be helped by, as I have been. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and temporary gifts. Three things that will fail, three things that will remain, and, three th and one thing that will never fail. And then a more elaborate discussion of this called the Charismatic Movement, 35 doctrinal issues. And now just recently... His material has been expanded and updated and put in a book form called God's Gift of Tongues, The Nature, Purpose, and Duration of Tongues as Taught in the Bible. And I've been helped by this to realize that the function, the purpose of tongues, which is really not easy to fathom, 
today, as we look back, was not just to make people feel excited or to communicate better, because that's the opposite of what Paul said. You know, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, I've done all the signs of an apostle, including speaking in tongues. I would rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in a tongue. So in other words, it's the opposite of what? Of effective communication. Doubtless it brought personal blessing and exhilaration to one who uh, spoke in tongues, but uh, it was worthless in terms of what? Edifying people, instructing and forming people, such as prophesying, teaching, and preaching the word of God would be. Well, that adds to the complexity of it all then. What was it for? These supernatural, God-given abilities to certain people at the beginning of the foundation phase of the church, uh, Paul says, were for what? A sign not for those that believe, but for those who do not believe. And so when you look back in the Old Testament, we find out that uh, back in Deuteronomy 28 and Isaiah 28 and Isaiah 33 and so forth, uh, you find a pattern that whenever the people of God were instructed lovingly and graciously by God and how to honor him, and they then, number two, rejected what God said and suppressed his word, then God would do something very shocking. He would bring upon them people of another language that they couldn't understand. And uh, they would be judged and deported. And uh, they would learn the hard way that you don't lightly ignore, suppress, or reject the word of God. See, so in the early church, when the Jews here, unbelieving Jews, saw these Christians speak in an unknown language, that was God's warning based on Old Testament precedent that something awful is coming if you don't listen to and accept the word of the Lord as confirmed by these people who are miraculously speaking different languages. You are programming yourself for judgment, which of course happened in an awesome way in AD 70, from which catastrophe Judaism has never recovered to this hour. Their temple has never been rebuilt. No altar of sacrifice ever been established on that altar. No Zadokian priest has offered one animal legitimately uh, to God on behalf of the theocracy of Israel to this very hour. And that's 1,900 years have gone by, friends, nearly. And I say, well, Lord, this is awesome. Tongues was signed to unbelievers, unbelieving Jews in this case, that they were suppressing, rejecting the new, fresh, genuine word of God through believers who were now members of the body and bride of Christ. So we say, Lord, help us to honor that and to recognize that by AD 70, apparently then all legitimate supernatural tongues ended as Paul explains, you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, tongues shall be stopped. And apparently, it's not possible to absolutely prove this, seems legitimate though, that by AD 70, they stopped. None of the early church fathers for hundreds of years ever claimed that they spoke in tongues or knew anyone who did. They look back on that as a past finished event at the foundation phase of church history. 
And some, of course, claim that that's true, but that it has been revived in our generation through the Pentecostal movement and the Signs and Wonders movement and the Charismatic movement and so forth. And again, all we can do is to apply the measuring stick of Scripture as to how it's being done, how it's being used. And we find that uh, the guidelines in 1 Corinthians 14 are being, are being ignored. Many other things are being ignored and uh, perverted and twisted and out of shape. And we say, Lord, this is a divisive confusion of God's people in this generation that must be dealt with carefully, biblically, lovingly, but uh, precisely. No one in the world today is speaking genuinely in the kind of miracle tongues described in the book of Acts. Well, what did they do when they spoke in tongues? Watch this. Verse 46, they magnified God. They responded to God's revelation. They honored him in what they experienced and what they believed and what they did. And Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? And that reminds us of the other representative of the Gentile world who said the same thing. Who was that? The Ethiopian eunuch. He says, Here's water. Why can't I be baptized here? Somehow that message of the Great Commission got around, didn't it? Jesus said, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, that is, in water. Not that that actually in itself saved people, but was an obedience to God's Great Commission program to give a visual aid to a reality spiritually, inwardly, of what? Of spirit baptism. Now, these people have received the Holy Spirit as well as we. Yes, we share together a marvelous experience and relationship that we never had shared together before. We were baptized by the Holy Spirit. These men have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. These men, women, and perhaps uh, younger people in the home, who knows what uh, spectrum of uh, Gentiles were gathered in that place. My, again, I say, friends, I would love to have a videotape of that whole session, wouldn't you? That's our birthday right here as Gentile Christians into the body of Christ. Right here. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they prayed that uh, he would tarry certain days, which, of course, uh, he did. That is just the beginning of sorrows for the Apostle Peter. Why? The Gentiles were rejoicing. But wait till you read what his fellow Jews thought about this in Jerusalem. Chapter 11. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wittest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. We're shocked at your apostasy, sir, your disobedience to hundreds and hundreds of years of God's guidelines and instructions. You had table fellowship with unclean, non-kosher humans. Well, friends, aren't you impressed that Peter didn't say, well, since I'm the Pope, that settles it. <laughs> Ex-cathedra, what I do is obviously from God because I'm the vicar of Christ or something. No, he had to explain to these people step by step, graciously, carefully, in a God-honoring way, exactly what happened and why, 
on a rare occasion here, an excellent communicator in a highly controversial situation, which he will also be doing in chapter 15 in the Great Council in Jerusalem, by the way. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, and a certain vessel descended as had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. By the way, those are the four categories of animals in the Old Testament. Domesticated beasts, wild beasts, birds, and creeping things. In uh, the book of Genesis, included dinosaurs among the creeping, the remesh, many of which, of course, have vanished forever. But nevertheless, many still remain on the earth. I've had the privilege of being in a restaurant that specialized in serving a creeping thing to the customers. That was in Florida, in Okeechobee. I was served a toasted alligator. I just thought I'd mention that. I had no convictions about the matter, no compunctions, no fear. <laughs> other than the possible gastronomic after-effects. <laughs> I can say with the Apostle Paul then on dietary thing restrictions that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are <laughs> expedient, <laughs> healthful, appropriate, or wise. <laughs> and I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, not so, Lord. He never forgot. He never forgot that astounding experience and his negative reaction to the will and word of God. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth, but the voice answered from heaven, what God hath cleansed that call thou not common or unclean. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men ready already come to the house where I was and sent from Caesarea to me and the Spirit bade me go with them. I think that is a capital S should be there for Holy Spirit guided him so that he was not to doubt or fear. Moreover, these six brethren, we learn he had six witnesses who were right there. He said, these six brethren. May I suggest, therefore, he had these six men standing right with him. That was very important, you see, at this point to have a backup witness and confirmation of these astounding things that he claimed actually happened. So Peter's own word wasn't sufficient. Here are six men with me that can back up everything I've said. Okay? And by the way, may I just suggest, friends, that that is an obvious guideline from ancient Israel and from the book of Acts for our functions in the local body of Christ today, the local church, when disciplinary things come up and inevitably they will be very careful who is saying what under what conditions and with what witnesses to back up and confirm happy and healthy and wholesome is the church that has some godly men that can back up the pastor teacher in his confrontation which inevitably will happen with disciplinary situations witnesses they accompanied me, and, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, 
which stood and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell you words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Words. Friends, that's the dynamic under the Holy Spirit in the whole history of the human race. Words. Words. Words from heaven above. Uh, words inscribed in a book by the Holy Spirit. The words that we're to speak to all people. Words under God are infinitely important, essential, and foundational for salvation and sanctification. Words. We are indeed grateful for God bringing Gentiles into the body of Christ, along with many Jewish believers. It demonstrates the marvels of God's plan for His church and reminds us again of our certainty that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. We'll continue this message next time, going forward in Volume 4 of our series called Acts, Witness of the Early Church. You can hear all of the programs from the first three volumes of this series at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb, where you can also find and share today's program. We invite you to tell others who are interested in this type of in-depth classic Bible teaching. Remember, you can also download a free commentary that Dr. Whitcomb and Pastor George Zeller of Middletown Bible Church wrote about the book of Acts. You can access it at whitcombministries.org. And then make sure to keep up with our latest news at facebook.com slash whitcombministries. I'm Wayne Shepherd. So glad you've been with us today on Encounter God's Truth. May the Lord bless you as you go out by faith to serve Him in the week ahead.